Well, this morning's Mother's Day, and uh, we have been planning and strategizing for this morning. Uh, I just want to give props to Pastor Pete and Pastor Bobby for putting together that Mother's Day questionnaire. How many appreciate that? About half of the people. And now they expect it for Father's Day, something for the men, right? <laughs> Someone's like, yep, all right, that's good. <laughs> well, no, we're so glad. Well, a few weeks back, really probably a couple months ago, um, I was at a district uh, event at sectional council, and my path crossed with the gentleman that I'm about to introduce, and his family was with, was with him, and uh, we just really hit it off and really felt like the Lord had brought us together. Um, I invited him to join our missions committee uh, a few weeks back, and uh, we had lunch or dinner together, and I'll tell you, it was just incredible to hear what God has called him and his family, his wife and his kids to do. And uh, there was another connection. We said, man, when can we get you here for a Sunday? And we looked at our schedule. They're headed uh, to Thailand um, in July, and we had a window of opportunity on Mother's Day. I said, all right, Sam, if you're going to come on Mother's Day, I don't want no missions window. <laughs> I want you to preach on Mother's Day. And I'll tell you, first service was a smashing hit. Uh, get your seatbelts on and ready to go. Uh, you're going to be challenged this morning. And uh, our missionary this morning is our guest speaker this morning. Uh, was born and raised over uh, in Thailand, in Hong Kong. I think I got that mixed up for service. Uh, but, is, but now God has called him and his family back to Thailand, the country where he's from. And God has blessed him and is using him and uh, has used him and will continue to do so. And this morning, would you give a great warm welcome to Sam Maddox, our missionary, our guest speaker for Mother's Day. This is the Gateway Church. Thank you so much for that warm welcome. Got a picture of my family I think they're going to put up, but I apologize they couldn't be with me. Um, we've got uh, a girl, uh, one of my daughters is already in school, so... It's hard to travel with a family when she's in school, and my, my wife, of course, is taking care of our kids back home while I get to travel and, and fellowship with all you folks, and I uh, just wanted to share greetings from my family as well. I met a young uh, lady before service, and she said, do you speak another language? So I thought, hey, I'll take a minute and just share with you a little bit about Thailand. It is a Buddhist country. They speak the language of Thai. Just to give you a little bit of an idea what that's like, it's one of the um, few languages in the world that are called tonal languages. And that means that you have to inflect your voice to make meaning. So to give you an example, if I were to say ma, ma, M-A, ma, that means come here, come. However, if I were to say ma, so the first one I just said ma, the second one was ma, that means horse. <laughs> There's another one, a third one, ma, so ma, 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 that third one means dog. <laughs> so just by changing the way you inflect your voice, it changes the meaning. There's a phrase in Thai, it's the pu ying yai. Pastor Ben is the pu ying yai of this church. He's the, the grand poobah, the, the, the person in charge. It's literally translating the, the great person, but it just means who's ever kind of in charge, you know, at any location. But if you go in and say, can I speak to the person in charge? But if you just mispronounce the middle syllable of that phrase, 
and you say the pu ying yai. It doesn't mean the person in charge, it means the large woman. <laughs> so just by hitting one wrong tone, you've changed the meaning completely. So no, you are not the large woman, but you are the pastor of this church, praise God. Uh, and uh, that is just a little bit about, about Thailand. It was Pastor Ben had invited me to come and to, to preach for Mother's Day. I was a little bit anxious because I haven't got to do this a lot. Every time I preach these days, whether uh, when I'm in the States, it's about missions. So, But I got to thinking about my life, and I am the father of three little girls who is not equipped to raise those three little girls by myself. So I am appreciative of motherhood as much as anyone alive today because I know how important a mother is, and I can't raise three little girls by myself. I was remembering uh, when I was uh, just few years ago when I was taking care of uh, a newborn, my middle daughter and my oldest daughter. My wife was just had just recently given birth to our middle daughter and we'd been home for a few weeks and we were getting adjusted and she was cooking Mexican food at home and we were living in Bangkok, Thailand at the time. And as she finished the meal, she said, oh, we don't have any salsa. I said, oh, we can't eat Mexican without salsa. So we said, well, let's run out. So she ran out to get the salsa. It's only going to be about a 15-minute round trip. Well, when she closed the door, I realized for the first time at that point in my life that I was outnumbered. I had two little girls, three and a newborn. Now, the three-year-old was having some separation anxiety because of the newborn being introduced into her life, and as soon as my wife walked out the door, it just fell apart. She began to cry. She was hysterical. She woke up the baby. The baby began to cry. I realize I'm outnumbered. Before, it's easy to just hold one kid and take care of them, but when you've got two and they're all falling apart at the same time, there's just little that a father knows how to do. I went through the checklist with the baby of uh, diaper and bottle and all those things, but nothing uh, you know, fix the problem. So I was so overwhelmed. I called my wife. She's in traffic. She doesn't think she's getting back anytime soon. So I was so overwhelmed. I hid in the bathroom from the three-year-old <laughs> because I couldn't take two of them screaming. My nerves could not handle it. So I got the baby under control and uh, took her, put her in her bed, and then I picked up the three-year-old and consoled her. And my wife was gone for two hours that night. Big city of Bangkok, 12 million people. Everybody gets, everybody gets paid the last Friday of the month. And that was that last Friday of the month. And everyone was out spending their paychecks. It took her two hours to drive uh, just a few <laughs> miles that day. But I realized how important a mother is that day. As I prepared this morning, uh, for this morning, as I was looking at mothers throughout this, the Bible, I was struck by one thing that they all seem to have in common is hardships. That was one thing that I kind of kind of found and peppered throughout every story of motherhood throughout the Bible. From Sarah, who was barren for 25 years waiting for a child, to Naomi, uh, the mother-in-law of Ruth in the story of Ruth. She loses her husband and her sons, and she's left with just these daughter-in-law. Of course, one goes home, but Ruth stays with her. Look at the, in the story of Elijah, how he goes to the, the widow's home, and she's not in position to even provide for her and her son. She's preparing the last meal before they expect to starve to death. So we look at all these stories of mothers. That's hardship seems to be the one thing that kind of we find 
throughout the Bible and even today in motherhood. It's not easy. I, we honor you mothers today because we know how hard it is. We know that at times it's a thankless job, especially when you're raising toddlers. They don't say thank you for anything. But we want to honor you. We want to thank you. We celebrate Mother's Day with, with the finer things in life, with jewelry and, and flowers and beautifully written cards. But that is so juxtaposed with what the life of a mother is like, dealing with diapers and, and sick babies and, you know, just all of the, the, the struggles at times of being a mother. We want to remember, though, how important mothers are, so we honor you on this day. We think about how valid the, the ministry, really, and the, the, the position of mothers is. As we look at the statistics of motherhood, we see that really motherhood is the most stable thing in our society today. 90% of children in America have a mother that is involved in raising them. Can you think of a statistic, any statistic, that 90% of us have a commonality, share that same experience? There are 75 million children in the U.S. under the age of 18 years old. 24 million children live in a single-parent home more than 80% of those single-parent families are headed by single mothers. That's 19 million, or 25% of children. 20, another 20% of U.S. children, 15 million, are living in a household with a married, stay-at-home mother and her working husband. 90% of children in the U.S. have a mother that is involved in raising them. By comparison, less than 70% of children have a father raising them. So we have... Just overwhelmingly, the numbers show us that mothers are the most stable person in a child's life. And unfortunately, for many households, even if a father is, is there, is present, um, sometimes they're emotionally disconnected from the, the children. And maybe they work so hard that even when they get home, they're not involved. I hope that's the case, not the case in our, in our Christian homes. But uh, in society today, that is uh, in many homes uh, the normal. For 45% of our children, they have either the single mother or a stay-at-home mother. So that is 45% of them. By and large, the greatest influence, the greatest uh, disciplinarian, the encourager, the person who's there for them most of the time is that mother figure. This morning as we share about mothers, I want to talk about uh, three biblical mothers. We're going to look at those. I also want to tell you some stories about the three mothers that have impacted my life the most. And I'll be sharing you three challenges, mothers. I hope that these challenges can encourage you and, and let you know that where you are at in life, that many have gone before you, many have faced some of the situations you're facing now. We'll see how God was faithful and brought them through some of those challenges. The first challenge I have for you do not assume that your hardships mean that you are doing something wrong. That's kind of a strangely worded sentence. What I mean by that is, is that just because you're struggling, just because there's hardships, it doesn't mean that you're doing anything wrong. Now, I want to preface that by saying that it is possible that if you're running from God, running from the will of God, as the prodigal son in the story was, that there are hardships that you are 
you are inflicting upon yourself because you're outside of the will of God. If you're not wise with your finances, if you go don't see the dentist for 10 years and you find out you've got cavities, you know, those are hardships you inflicted upon yourself. But for so many mothers, life is challenging. Motherhood is difficult. And just because you're in that season, it doesn't mean that you're doing anything wrong. In fact, hardships and suffering and, and sickness, these are consequences not of, of our individual sin mostly, but the nature of the world we live in. This is a sinful world. And there will not be uh, a time where we get find ourselves apart from those things until we leave this world to go be with our Savior. So suffering and sickness and hardships are the norm for non-believers and also for believers. There is a gospel that is sometimes preached. Unfortunately, in many churches, there's a false gospel that you are, if you are sick or if you're facing suffering or hardships, it's because of, of something you've done. That is not the case for many of us that face difficult times. That is just a circumstance of life that we live here on this earth. I want to look at um, the first story of Mary. This is our first example of a biblical mother. Luke 1, verses 26 to 38. Luke 1, verses 26 to 38. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at this words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, You are, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign on Jacob's, over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who, said, who was said to be unable to conceive in her sixth, is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. This is really one of the most remarkable women in the Bible. It's believed that she was just like 12 or 13 years old when this, this took place, where she found out that she was pregnant. Mary, in some uh, um, scriptures, some uh, translations, has said to be blessed above any other woman. She is a blessed woman. Yet even Mary was not exempt from hardships. First of all, even the circumstances surrounding her pregnancy were faced with very challenging circumstances. She was pledged to be married to Joseph, but she was not yet married. She did not go through with the marriage ceremony. It is then told us uh, later on that Joseph finds out about her pregnancy. And of course, he puts two and two together and thinks that she was unfaithful to him. He could have come to no other conclusion on his own. So he believes that she was with someone else. And he decides that he will, in fact, 
divorce her. Now, if Joseph discovers she's pregnant, you have to imagine that others had as well. In that society, even more so than our society today, a honor-shame-based society, you can't imagine how much potential shame that would have brought upon Joseph, upon Mary's family. Mary would have felt probably no shame because she knew of the joy of the child that God had given her. But the shame that was, was upon this situation and those who were affected, it would have been great. It would have affected Mary's relationship, surely. What's amazing is that later, the angel of the Lord comes and tells Joseph that Mary is expecting a child and that it is the Son of God, that God uh, gave her this child miraculously. It's hard to believe why that didn't take place before Joseph finds out she's pregnant and starts to make these assumptions. Of course, we don't know why, but the hardships were inflicted upon Mary. Then he decides that he will honor that marriage, and he knows it's the right thing to do, so he marries her. But uh, you have to wonder how her character, according to other people, was affected, how people looked at her from, from that point on for many years. She had great hardships, even in this joyous occasion. The next hardship she faced was that we don't know from the ages of Jesus, ages 12 to 30, uh, where you know, his father was. We don't, we don't hear from him between 12 to 30 years old. When Jesus begins his ministry until the time of his death, there is never a mention of his father. We don't hear anything between ages 12 to 30. So some point in those years, Jesus' father probably passes away. We don't know how old Jesus was, but it's very possible that at a point Mary was a single mother raising Jesus along with, with some other children as well. We can't imagine what it was like for her raising, you know, this son of God without uh, a man, you know, to be there in his life. We don't know when that happened, but we do know that it was before Jesus was 30 years old. And finally, the greatest hardship of all was for Mary to see her son crucified on the cross. She knew that he was the son of God. She knew that he was the Messiah. She would have had great hopes and dreams for his future. In fact, the misconception of those people in that time was that Jesus would become an earthly king, that he would reign and rule and lead that nation, God's people. Of course, that was not his plan, and we thank God that that wasn't. But for her, the confusion, and to see him crucified cruelly on a cross, a death meant for criminals. For her to see that take place. I can't imagine greater hardship, greater suffering for a mother to watch their son die like that. It's hard to imagine someone to, to go through that. That, you know, as you as a mother may say, well, my situation is, is not, not pales in comparison to that. But that doesn't lessen your situation. It doesn't lessen how much sometimes... You know, you, you hurt or you, you feel discouraged. My mother, she is really my hero. I love my dad. I look up to my dad. I want to follow in his footsteps. But my father's ministry had him traveling all the time. My father was uh, usually evangelizing throughout Thailand. When I was a little bit older, he had responsibility to open up four new countries as mission fields. So for a large part of my youth and uh, growing up, not only was my father out of town, he was in other countries. 
So who else is going to take care of the kids? Who else is going to discipline? Who else is going to be the last line of defense but for my mother? She didn't get any notoriety, any high esteem because of what she did. My father's known throughout our organization, throughout the world, for the work he did in Thailand, for the churches he planted. My father's one of the most successful church planters in Thailand to this day. He was a leader of missionaries. Even to this day, he's leading missionaries in China. But my mother was the one who was the most impactful person in, in my life. Because simply because she was physically there more than my father was able to be. When we look at the legacy of my father, I know that he will tell you that the most important, the greatest joy he has is how his children turned out. All three of us are, are serving God. In fact, all three of us are in missions today. And my father was a great man. But had it not been for the role my mother played, I don't know if I would have followed in my father's footsteps. Because of what my mother instilled in me, I as a man can follow in my father's footsteps, walk in his place, in his shadow. And now I'm a missionary in Thailand fulfilling the, the call of God on my life. And I hope my wife can follow in my mother's footsteps to some degree. So we look at the second example of motherhood. Brings me to my second point. Do not allow others to shame you because of your circumstance or the prayerful choices you make. So we look at the life of a woman named Hannah, the mother of the prophet Samuel. Hannah was a woman who was not able to have children for years. It was her greatest burden in life. In that culture, being a wife and a mother were the two things that gave you value. And she desperately wanted to be a mother, but in her body she was not, not able to conceive. She would have had great shame, great dishonor in that society for not being able to provide children for her husband. In fact, her husband had a second wife who had children, and she was uh, uh, critical of Hannah. She spoke poorly of Hannah. She mocked her for not being able to have children. So this is the situation Hannah finds herself in. She's burdened. She's overwhelmed. But she brings her need to the Lord. She developed a great persistence and determination in prayer to ask God to give her a child. She even goes to the extent of saying, Lord, if you give me a child, I will give him back to you. And the Lord answers her prayer, gives her this son, Samuel. He was uh, the last of the judges of the Bible. He was the first uh, one. Of the, he was a prophet. He was a man that anointed two kings over Israel. We see in Hebrews chapter 11 a passage of scripture about the heroes of the faith. Samuel is one of the heroes of the faith. Of course, it's because of Hannah's persistence, her prayer, her determination, her obedience and faith to the promise, faithfulness to the promise that she'd given to God in giving her son back to the Lord. But we see that it was a difficult circumstance. The society looked down upon her until she had a child. I want to encourage you, no matter what your circumstances are, the decisions you've made, the prayerful decisions. Now, if you're not 
making prayerful decisions, I encourage you to do that. Because if we're just making decisions without consulting God, we don't know what the will of God is. I'm thought, thinking about my wife, though, about the prayerful decision that she's made to be a caretaker, a stay-at-home mother. We met with a pastor, an unfortunate meeting with a pastor, where he was asking us what we do. I got to share with him about my main ministry of church planting and discipleship and training. And, of course, my wife is a partner in that ministry, but her main job while our kids are young is to be a mother, a caretaker. He said, well, what do you do, Stephanie? She said, well, I, I care for my children. I'm a stay-at-home mom. He said, well, what else do you do? It, it came across that he was not very impressed that that's what she was doing as a missionary. There was a certain expectation that a missionary wife has to do more than just care for her children. I didn't challenge him, but I was grieved in my spirit. To think that today in our society that there are some that would say being a mother is somehow not living up to a standard that we've set for, for mothers. I began to be concerned, but I began to thank the Lord for, for a wife like that. You know, the default setting for a mother is sacrifice. That's what motherhood is all about. We had a, an amazing uh, encounter with a, a young mother not too long ago. And it touched Stephanie and I in my heart because uh, she has a special needs daughter like we do. And she wanted so bad to have fellowship after church. And we said, okay, we're going to go down to the, the Panda Express, meet us down there. She didn't show up for an hour. And we said, wow, some, what happened? Well, finally, we get a Facebook message from her. And this is what she said. She said, uh, Sam, Stephanie, and precious family, my children and I were so blessed by meeting you today. We had wanted to enjoy a bit more fellowship with you afterwards at lunch, but my son had so many food allergies, and you were in a hurry because of an eembling obligation, and my Sammy wasn't feeling well, so we went ahead and came home. I apologize for bailing on you. I just thought we might hold you up because it takes us a while to order, and there's always a fear of cross-contamination with food and gluten and dairy, so we figured today just wasn't in God's plan for us to meal with you. And we were heartbroken. This mother who obviously sacrifices for her child every single day. She couldn't come and meet with us. I wish she would have told us we would have went anywhere else. But that was the burden that she was facing in her own life. Of course, don't ever let anyone shame you or make you feel bad for the prayerful choices you make that may be different. I have a, a cousin, her name is Rhonda, and because of their financial situation, she is a full-time working mother. She's one of the most amazing mothers I know. I see updates about her kids on Facebook every week. They love their mom and dad. They love Jesus. But she has made a different choice, and mostly because of the circumstances in her life. Mothers... You know what's best for your children. No one else knows. And the decisions you make when they are in a prayerful consideration of God's will are the right ones. And God will bless you and he will honor you for those decisions you make. As I begin to close, I come to my final point. Do not be afraid. Rather, trust in God. We get to the final 
story about Yoshebed, Moses' mother. When I was studying for this, I, I didn't realize that Moses' mother and father were among some of the heroes of the faith listed in chapter 11. I've read that verse many, many times, but I guess I'd never singled in on it. In, Mo in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23, By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Some of the heroes of the faith, a mother and a father. And really, when you read the story of, of Moses' childhood, it really centers in on his mother and the act of faith that she makes to hide Moses from the king who wanted to kill all of the, the sons of Israel. There was a, a command to kill them all. They uh, fought against the king's commandments, and they, with faith, in faith, put Moses in a little basket and trusted God as they pushed him out into the river. He came upon um, Pharaoh's daughter. She found him and asked uh, Moses' sister to find a nurse. Yoshebed got to uh, nurse and raise Moses for a, for a period. God honored her faith and trust in him and blessed her. Of course, Yoshebed is also the mother of Aaron, the brother of Moses that was a spokesman um, for Moses. Also Miriam, the sister of Moses, a woman of faith God used profoundly. But there was a circumstance where she could have acted out of fear, but she chose to trust God. I'm reminded of my grandmother Martha. She was fearful. There was a stage of her life where she was very afraid. She was a young mother of three girls, just 19 years old. She married my grandfather when she was just 16. This was not a stable family or, or marriage, and she was uh, struggling in every way, even down to the finances of the family. She found out she was pregnant. She was afraid about what another baby, the stress or the pressure would add to their already fragile family. In her fear, she made a decision to have an abortion. But the night before that procedure, the Lord actually spoke to her and said, don't do this. I have given you a son, and he will be a preacher. She turned to him in her fear, her trust, and she decided to have that child. Months later, my father was born along with his twin sister. Now Martha's raising five children. Of course, she raises them for the Lord. Fifteen years old, my father is called into the ministry. Today, Martha has ten children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren in full-time ministry. Four of them are missionaries. Friends, I know we find ourselves in overwhelming situations. It's when we have to lean on God the most, trust in Him. Friends, don't let others shame you. Don't let others say, this is what you need to do. Don't fear. We have God on our side. God can do miraculous things. And if you're facing hardships and you're doing what you believe is God's will for your life, just know that this is God's way of bringing you through these things for his glory. There was a passage of scripture where uh, one of the disciples said of a blind man, why is he blind? 
And Jesus, he says, is it because of his sin? Jesus says, it's not because of someone that sinned. It's so the glory of God would be shown in his life. Whatever your hardships are, God wants to reveal his glory through you. Amen. Thank you, Sam. Appreciate your heart, your soft spirit. What an incredible word for moms and really for anyone that's here. There are times in our lives we face hardship. It's just the fact of life, isn't it? And I'm not sure what you're facing today, but I believe the word of the Lord is that he's there for you right here, right now, today. He's there for you. I know I needed to hear that. When it comes to shame, what a, that came out of left field for me. But I'll tell you, how many of us will make decisions in a prayerful situation that others don't understand, they don't get it? Um, the idea from Scripture there uh, is, is so powerful. And uh, we can stand on God's Word, can't we? And we can trust the Holy Spirit when we're listening. And we even may make mistakes, but you know, God, He helps us. And we can trust Him. And that leads to that third point of trusting God. And uh, there's no fear. There's no reason to fear when we're walking with the Lord. Um, thank you again. Wow. I want us to stand this morning as we close. And uh, as you consider these three things, um, uh, I want us to, to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to help us in where we are today in our greatest need. And one of those three, I believe, uh, can speak to all of us, uh, all three maybe, but uh, maybe pick one. If you're in a situation where you're facing some hardship, can you just acknowledge by a show of hands saying, boy, that's where I am today? Yeah, sure. Or how about, you know, prayerful decisions that maybe others don't understand? Uh, certainly that may be the case. Yeah, or that last piece. Maybe they're at a point where you need to take a step of faith. Or maybe you've taken a step of faith and there's some fear around that. Trust God. Trust God. And I know you can do that.